We're excited and honored that you're here with us this morning. I'm going to do my best, y'all, to go fast and furious this morning as we dive into the Word together. Once again, uh, uh, happy Father's Day to all the father father figures in the house, but also happy Juneteenth uh, to each and every one of you. Amen. And everything that Juneteenth represents. And uh, we're going to dive into the word now. Uh, We've been in a series here called Ghost Stories. It started on Pentecost Sunday, and we started this study in the book of Acts. And we started to discover what the Bible had to say about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And so we've been on this journey of pneumatology, pneuma being the Greek word for spirit, pneumatology being the study of the Holy Spirit. One of our anchor texts for this series has been uh, from John chapter 16, where Jesus said, it is to your benefit, it is to your advantage that I go, because if I don't go, the Holy Spirit will not come. So we've been diving in and digging into all these advantages that you and I have because of the Holy Spirit actively at work in our lives. The scripture says that God is at work in us both to will and to do according to his good pleasure. So we've been taking a deep dive and we've been talking about the advantages and the benefits of living a spirit-filled and spirit-led life. We're going to continue along these lines this morning, but I have a message specifically for the men I think it will have significance and import to everyone in the building, but I want to speak specifically this morning to the hearts of our men. If I had to choose a title uh, for my message this morning, it would simply be this. Y'all ready for this? Another man. Another man. Let's pray and we'll dive into the word together. Father, we thank you that your word will never return to you void or empty. It will always prosper in the thing whereunto it is sent. We send forth your word now. I thank you that it will minister clarity, revelation, understanding, even healing in the places where we are broken. We yield ourselves now to the work of the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen and amen. Job makes an interesting observation in Job chapter 14 and verse 1. Most Bible scholars believe that Job's trial and his adversity endured for approximately two years. We're not 100% certain about where Job is at this point in his, this saga of adversity and loss. But in chapter 14 of, of, of Job, Job makes this stunning observation. And again, I'm speaking to everyone in the room, but I want this message to resonate specifically with the men. Notice Job's observation in Job chapter 14 and verse 1. He says, man who is born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. So Pastor, what are you talking about? Consider Job's words. Man who is born of woman. Let's just stop there because that is an all-inclusive statement. There is not a man in this room who was not born of woman. And Job's observation is an observation that is directed to every man. 
He goes on to say, this is the testimony and the witness of every man that is born into the earth. He is only of a few days, and he's full of trouble. You see, Job had lived long enough to recognize that even though there was a season of his life where he enjoyed tremendous prosperity, it did not make him immune from trouble. And as I began to prepare for this message, the Lord said today, Ray, I don't want you to tell the men about all the things they ain't doing, all the things that they're not. I want you to affirm them because we live in a world where men are under a constant onslaught from the enemy. You turn on the news and there's something we ain't doing right. You read a magazine, you read an article, you read a blog, they're talking about where we've fallen short. And Job's observation is that we're living in a season and a time where men are under attack. I noticed that one day when I was sitting in our media room watching Disney with Nia. And there were about three shows that came on back to back. The first show, there was no father in the home. The second show, the father was a weakling. And the third show, no one respected the father. And these are the images that are being projected about men in culture today. Not just the images being projected, but the pressures that we have to live with as men every single day. Are you listening to what I'm saying? And so today, today's message is not about being critical or judgmental of where you may have fallen short as a man. This message is not even about maybe the shame that you wrestle with as a man because of where you've fallen short. It's not even about the guilt that you wrestle with because of the things that you did that you should not have done. Today's message is about celebrating and appreciating and affirming you as a man and pointing you back to the help that you and I have through the power of the Holy Spirit. Especially in the moments when we feel inadequate. Especially in the moments when we feel we've fallen short. Especially in the moments when the world tells us, bruh, you too much. And then you turn here and say, bruh, you're not enough. And you're not sure which way to turn because some people say you're too much and then some people say you're not enough. And may I remind you that if you're in this room this morning, who you are is a direct result of the voices you have chosen to trust over the course of your lifetime. Right. Whose voice will you believe? The voices that say you're too much? The voices that say you're not enough? Or the voice of God that says, I love you just the way you are? There are men in this room right now who desperately need to hear that. And not just hear it, to know it. 
There's a reason. Before Jesus performed one miracle, before he opened one blind eye, before he healed one broken body, that he heard his father say from heaven, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. There's a reason that God affirmed Jesus at the beginning of his ministry, not at the end of his ministry, because what God was teaching us is that his love for us and his affirmation of us is not performance-based. And most of us wait for the trophy or the award or the certificate to affirm people because it's human nature to only celebrate performance, achievement, and accomplishment. The Lord sent me here today on assignment to speak to every man and let you know that not only are you loved by God, he has sent you divine help to overcome all of life's troubles, all of life's sorrows, every feeling of inadequacy you have ever wrestled with, regardless of the source of it. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? God today wants to transform you into another man. And it happens through the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. You've heard me say this, uh, say it before, and I believe it with all my heart, that for men, our prayer closet ought to do for us what the phone booth did for Clark Kent. It will change you into another man. Because in your prayer closet, you will cultivate intimacy with God. And from that place of intimacy with God, God will reveal your God-given identity in him. And from understanding your identity in him, you will begin to live with integrity. The word integrity means wholeness. Not going through life feeling like you're lacking or insufficient or missing something. It only comes from a place of intimacy with God where you understand your identity in him so that you can begin to live with integrity. The Hebrew word is shalom, shalom. Nothing missing, nothing lacking, nothing broken. And from that place of integrity and wholeness and soundness, you will begin to live a life of influence. Your prayer closet ought to do for you what the phone booth did for Clark Kent. And sometimes we're missing the power that we need in life because we have ignored, ignored the place of prayer. In Luke chapter 16, y'all, y'all ready for this? Disciples come up to Jesus and they say to Jesus, teach us to pray. And so in Luke chapter 11, Jesus teaches them what we call the Lord's prayer, but I think it's more appropriate to call it the believer's prayer. And there was a reason they asked Jesus to teach them to pray. Treos because they realized every time Jesus stole away and went to that private place, that secret place, he came out doing stuff that nobody else could do. They saw the pattern in his life. That what Jesus did in private determined his proficiency in public. And they said, there's got to be a connection be between what he's doing privately and what is manifesting in his life publicly. And Jesus told him, the secret is prayer. You need to restore intimacy with God. 
That's your place of power to overcome the onslaught that's coming against you as a man. So let's see an example of this, of the transformative power of God. In fact, when I was praying, it seemed like the Lord gave me this, this picture of men just at the altar, exhausted, tired, frustrated. We're going to pray at the end of the service, and we're going to ask God to do something in the hearts of our men. Because as men, we're good at putting on the facade hmm? when inside we're hurting. So the scripture tells us about this man that we rarely talk about unless we're talking about him in connection with David. Because we often see David as the hero of the story, the guy who killed Goliath and the guy who succeeded Saul as king. Very rarely will you hear a message about King Saul. And as I was preparing, the Lord brought me to the story of Saul. And for sake of time, I'm just going to give you the back story. Y'all ready for this? Here's the back story. Here's the back story. The scripture says in 1 Samuel, uh, I believe it goes all the way back to chapter 8. It says, now it came to pass when Samuel was old that he made his sons judges over Israel. And the name of the firstborn was Joel, and the name of his second was Abijah. They were judges in Beersheba. Listen to this. But his sons did not walk in his ways. They turned aside after dishonest gain. They took bribes and they perverted justice. So all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah. Samuel was the prophet. And they said to him, look, Samuel, you old. Your children, they tripping. They ain't living like you lived. You're old well advanced in years, about to die. When you're gone, we can't trust your children to lead us. So this is what we want. Make us a king to judge us all like the other nations. Their question was a question of succession. Their concern was when we had a man of God leading us, we knew that our lives and our nation would move in the right trajectory. He has sons who don't follow in his ways. In fact, they have perverted justice, but we can't have a vacuum. We can't have a void. We need somebody to lead us. And you know what? This is what we want. We don't want another prophet like you. What we want is a king like everybody else. Are you hear what I'm saying? And how many of you realize you can't have God's results doing things your way? And so Samuel began to plead with them, and he said, this is not God's will. This is not God's way. Because from the time God brought them out of Egypt, they had been a theocracy. They had been one nation under God. And God appointed judges, and he appointed prophets, and now they said, no, God, we don't want to do it your way anymore. We want to be like all the nations around us, fill this void, and they demanded a king. The tragic thing about Samuel's life and his legacy 
even though he was a, a formidable prophet, is the fact that Saul had saved the world. But in saving the world, he lost his family in the process. Are y'all listening to what I'm saying? And sometimes as men, if we're not careful, we will sacrifice our families on the altar of success. It's a decision that Pastor Wendy and I made years ago that the whisper of our family would always ring louder than the shouts and applause of ministry. I don't care who out here needs me. I don't care how big the potential audience, if it means not being there for my children. Choice is easy. I don't even think twice. Because as men of God, God has called us first to our families. And the entire nation, listen to me, is in crisis. Listen to me. Because Samuel was more proficient as a prophet than he was as a parent. Are you listening to what I'm saying? It was one man's shortcoming that's about to change how an entire nation does government. Because if Samuel had parented well, his sons would have succeeded him. And Israel would have had no need for a king. Are y'all listening to what I'm saying? The decisions we make as men and as fathers don't only impact us. They have generational implications. I ain't got to Saul yet. I'm about to get to Saul. But this is the backdrop and the context into which Saul emerges. Israel's need for leadership. And if there's anything our world needs today, it's godly leadership. And men need to be front and center. Thank you. I know I had a... uh, It's under my notes. Come on, somebody. Y'all got me out here greasy like Jermaine Jackson. (laughs) (laughs) Woo-wee! Jermaine used to have that glow, though. Still got it. Had them finger waves on the side. First man to use Gorilla Glue, man. That's the first dude that did that. (laughs) Oh, my wife said focus. Come on, somebody. Uh, But notice what the scripture says in verse 6. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, give us a king to judge us. So Samuel prayed to the Lord. And the Lord said to Samuel, heed the voice of the people in all that they say to you. Listen to this. For they have not rejected you, Samuel. They have rejected me. Uh, There are some prayers that we pray, man. (laughs) And the more I study scripture and the more I study the text, there are some prayers that we pray. And not just the prayers we pray. It's sometimes the posture of our heart where God says, okay, is that what you want? Okay, go ahead. But in getting what we want, in having our way, insisting on our way, we actually reject God. The Bible says in the Psalms 
that God gave the Israelites meat because they complained against the manna. The manna ain't good enough. Every day when I walk outside, you give me my daily bread. That ain't good enough. I want meat. And the scripture says God gave them all the meat they wanted, but he sent leanness in their souls. You know what that means? You got everything you want, but you're still empty on the inside. Because there are times when we can be so insistent and persistent in having our way. And God said, okay, give them what they want. But they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting me. And so God gave them what they wanted. Uh, and this is where Saul emerges. So the scripture says that Samuel pleaded with them, but they would not heed Samuel's voice. So enter Saul. In 1 Samuel chapter 9, verses 1 and 2, I got to say this because this is going to give us the backdrop and the context for what I say next. So Saul emerges to fill this vacuum. In fact, I love, I love what Lou Engel said. Lou Engel said, there are moments in history when a door for massive change opens. Great revolutions for good or for evil occur in the vacuum created by these openings. It is in these times that key men and women, even in entire generations, risk everything to become the hinge of history, that pivotal point that determines which way the door will swing. And this is the context into which Saul emerges. He comes into a leadership vacuum in 1 Samuel chapter 9, verses 1 and 2, read thus. There was a man of Benjamin whose name was Kish, the son of Abiel, the son of Zeror, the son of Becherath, the son of Aphia, a Benjamite, a mighty man of power. This is talking about Kish, Saul's father, that he was a mighty man of power. That was his reputation. Notice verse 2, and he had a choice and handsome son whose name was Saul. Most people don't know this, man. We just hear about the Saul story. Oh, David replaced Saul. But the scripture says that Saul was from good pedigree. He was from good stock. And not only was he from good pedigree and good stock, dude was good looking. He was handsome. And not only that, check this out, check this out. There was not a more handsome person than he among the children of Israel. And from his shoulders upward, he was taller than any other people. Think about it. King Saul looked like the rock, y'all. <laughs> he was the biggest dude in the nation. And isn't that what we do? We make our judgments based on external things. That if it looks good on the outside, it must be good. And it must be perfect. And so here comes Saul. He's the tallest guy in Israel, the best looking guy in Israel. And, 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 and here comes Samuel. And he doesn't only do it with Saul, he also did it later on with David. And the Bible says that men, we make judgments based on outward appearances. But God looks at the heart. And I'm about to go there because we're about to see 
Saul's heart. On the outside, he seems to be the perfect candidate for king because he's good looking and he's taller and bigger than everybody in the nation of Israel. But notice what happens when God shows up or Samuel shows up to tell Saul he's the next king. Verse 21 reads, And Saul answered and said, Am I not a Benjamite of the smallest of the tribes of Israel? And my family is the least of all the families of the tribe of Benjamin. Why then do you speak like this to me? You see, even though Saul was the people's choice, on the inside of him he battled insecurity. On the outside, he looked like he was the perfect candidate for the job. But on the inside, all he saw was a man who came from the least family in the least tribe in the nation of Israel. When everybody else saw a king in him, all he saw was a guy who wasn't enough. The Lord sent me to ask you, what do you see when you look in the mirror? I'm not, talking about, I'm not talking about what you adorn yourself with. But when you're alone and life comes at you, what do you see? When your family's in need and you don't have the wherewithal to pull it all together, what do you see? I told you the story one time. When Nia came to me, and she wanted something, and we were making tremendous sacrifices as a family, and Nia came to me, and she said, Dad, can I have whatever it was? And just like Pastor Wendy said, we told her, well, Nia, let's believe God for it. And this is what Nia said, Dad, why do we have to believe God for everything? Why can't you just go out there and buy it? Nia sat at the breakfast nook when I told her the news that we're about to acquire this building. Had no idea that Nia had been having her own personal crisis of faith. Because she said, I see how hard you've served. I see how hard you've served. I know how hard you've prayed. And it seems like God hasn't come through for you. I've seen how people have done you and mommy. And Nia, even though she showed up every single Sunday and served, was wrestling with questions about the faithfulness of God. I'm talking about how you see yourself as a dad when your daughter says to you, why well, we got to believe God for everything? Dad, can't you just go out and buy it? On the outside, you look like Saul. But on the inside, you all hear what I'm saying? That may not be your testimony. But there are places and moments in life when we wish we had the power to fix it. 
And if you're not careful, that will become your identity. Everybody saw a king in Saul, but all he saw in himself. Listen, it matter, listen, your self-talk, what you're saying to yourself about yourself could be the thing that's keeping you from experiencing the fullness of what God has for you. Because Samuel saw a king that he was about to anoint. But Saul said, nah, you got the wrong guy. But the Lord wants to send supernatural help to us in those moments when we feel like we're not enough. Hmm. I got to close. So the scripture says uh, in verse 20, And when Samuel had caused all the tribes of Israel to come near, the tribe of Benjamin was chosen. And when he caused the tribe of Benjamin, Saul's tribe, to come near by families, the family of Matri was chosen, Saul's family. And Saul, the son of Kish, was chosen. But when they sought to find him, he could not be found. So this is the day that's supposed to make him king. And they bring all the tribes, and they choose the right tribe, and they choose the right family, and they choose Samuel's, I mean Saul's family, and they're about to anoint him king. And they say, where's Saul at? He was nowhere to be found. When life's biggest moment showed up for Saul, his insecurities exposed him. You've heard me say it here at Converge before, that pride is just insecurity playing dress up. That some of the most boisterous men are often the most insecure men. We hide behind our paychecks. We hide behind our accomplishments. We hide behind our cars, we hide behind our muscles, but deep on the inside, we're wrestling our Lord Farquaad syndrome. Come on, Shrek. Y'all remember uh, Lord Farquaad? Riding in gallant on that horse. And then he shows up, and then I guess his armor bearer or his adjutant, what did he do? Took him? off the horse, set him down on the ground. And the whole time, Lord Farquhar was going around riding on a horse in leg extensions. And in public, he was boisterous. But in private, he was saying mirror, mirror on the wall. And I wonder how many of us as men secretly, privately, put on our pride face, but it's just our insecurity playing dress up. So they were looking for Saul, Stephen. They're about to make him king. The guy they picked to be king is hiding. Because the moment was bigger than his muscles. 
Mm. Okay, let me let y'all go. Let me let y'all go. I gotta, I, gotta, I gotta let y'all go. So, 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 so verse 22 says, Therefore they inquired of the Lord. They were praying. Say, has the man come yet? And in prayer, God spoke to them, and this is what God said. He's over there hiding in the equipment. He was in the storage closet hiding. And this was the guy they were about to make king. Are y'all with me? But in spite of that, in spite of that, I wish I had more time, y'all. In spite of that, in spite of where Saul was, God still had use of him and use for him. Because what matters in the kingdom is not where you start, it's where you finish. And let me tell you, it's not going to be by might, it's not going to be by power, it's going to be by the Spirit of the Lord. Are y'all with me? Worship team can come because I'm about to close. Listen to me. So fast forward to chapter 10. I'm jumping around in my notes, but fast forward to chapter 10. <laughs> after, they pulled Saul, after they pulled Saul out of the, the equipment room, Samuel said to him, Amen. He said, you're about to be king, but you're going to need some help. Listen to me, men. God is about to elevate you. God is about to promote you. But you need help. Not even about the promotion or elevation right where you are. We need help. We need help to love our wives. We need help to parent our children. We need help to lead in the marketplace and in the public square. So here it is. I told you we're in a series called Ghost Stories. So here's where we connect the dots. Somebody say this with me. Understand the plan. Follow the pattern. Receive the promise. So in 1 Samuel chapter 10, beginning at verse 6, Samuel is about to tell Saul how he's going to succeed and win in life. Notice what the scripture says. Then the spirit of the Lord will come upon you. You know how this thing is going to happen, Saul? How you're going to be transformed? It's not going to be in your own power. It's not going to be in your own effort. The spirit of the living God will come upon you. And you will prophesy with them. Because Samuel said, go up to this certain place and you will see a company of prophets. And when you go up there, the Spirit of God will come upon you and you'll begin to prophesy with them. You know why? Because the Spirit of the Lord is supernatural empowerment to do what you can't do in your own effort or ability. And the God, God wants to anoint you again to do the job, to do the work. Not in your own strength, not in your own ability, not because of your acumen, but the Spirit of the Lord will come upon you and you will be empowered to do things supernaturally that you couldn't do before. And notice what Sam, uh, Saul, uh, Samuel said to him, and let it be, I'm sorry, and you will prophesy with them, 1 Samuel chapter 10, verses 6 and 7. You will prophesy with them, here it is, and you will be turned into another man. 
Only the Holy Spirit can do that. Only Holy Spirit can do that. When the image on the inside of you doesn't match what everybody sees, the Spirit of God will turn you into another man. And this is about to be Saul's defining moment. Because when the Spirit of the Lord came upon him, he was changed into another man. No longer insecure. No longer wrestling with his feelings of inadequacy. He was changed into another man. And notice what it says. And let it be, when these signs come to you, listen, that you do as the occasion demands. That when God anoints you, he will put you in places and he will put you in spaces that will demand something of you. And because the Spirit of God rests upon you and abides within you, you will be able to do everything that the occasion demands. If it means you got to be king, the Spirit of God will come upon you and you will do everything the occasion demands of you. If it means being a better husband, the Spirit of God will come upon you and you will do everything the occasion demands. If your children need their father, the Spirit of God will come upon you and you will do everything the occasion demands. No longer seeing yourself as inadequate, but seeing yourself as one who is empowered by the Holy Spirit. Verse 9 says, so it was when he had turned his back to go from Samuel that God gave him another heart. God gave him another heart because God transformed him into another man. And when they came there to the hill, there was a group of prophets there to meet him. Then the Spirit of God came upon him, and he prophesied among them. And it happened when all who knew him, listen to me, I'm talking about another man. Verse 11 says, and it happened when all who knew him formerly, they knew the old Saul, that when they saw him, that he indeed prophesied among the prophets, that the people said to one another, what is this that has come upon the son of Kish? Is Saul also among the prophets? It was evident, night and day, the man that they saw that day was not the same Saul that they knew because God had given him another heart and God had made him another man. And what God does next in your life is going to be so evident to all who see it that they will marvel and say, is that the same Ray Harmon? Yeah. No, he's another man. Because the Spirit of God is upon you. Because the Spirit of God is upon him. I'm going to invite the men here shortly. I want to pray over you. And I'm the first one in line, y'all. I'm the first one in line. I'm the first one in line. Because when life starts to beat you up, it's not enough that you have been filled with the Spirit. You need to stay filled. You need to stay full. It's not enough that you had one drink. You need to come to the well every single day and allow the Spirit of God to overflow in every area of your life. And this is where I close. This is where I close. This is where I close. The tragedy of Saul's story is Saul had help that he didn't leverage. Because most of us know the part of the story where he started tripping. 
where even though the Spirit of God had come upon him and he had done powerful things, he lost the kingdom over a song. His insecurity resurfaced when David showed up on the scene. So when David killed Goliath, all the women started singing, Saul has killed his thousands, but David has killed his 10,000s. And even though he had the title, and even though he had the position, it, re it caused something in him to resurface, and that was his insecurity. And from that day forward, because the women praised David more than they praised him, he pursued David for the next 13 years and tried to kill him. You know why that happens? It happens because as men, when we've been touched once by the power of God, we don't go back to the well to stay full. And if you and I don't stay full, it's only a matter of time before the things that haunted you come back. Come back to sabotage you. And so even though he was king, he lost his kingdom over a soul. You killed a thousand men, but this little 16-year-old boy killed 10,000. And you know what Saul started to tell us of? Oh, man. I guess I was right all along. I'm not enough. I'm really not enough. If a 16-year-old boy can do more than me, maybe I'm not the man that they said I was. Maybe I'm really not fit to be king. And those insecurities resurface when we don't stay full of God's presence and his power. He allowed his patterns Listen to me. He allowed his patterns to override his potential, which led to self-sabotage. When we allow our old patterns to override our potential, it will always lead to self-sabotage. And here it is. Potential speaks to what is possible. He could have been the greatest king that Israel had ever seen, but his patterns undermined his potential because patterns always speak to what is predictable. What God wants to break in us as men today is our patterns that have led to our self-sabotage. That even though God says, I've anointed you king, here you are, your insecurities have undermined your potential. So this is what we're going to do. With every head bowed, every eye closed if you're here this morning and you just need prayer you just need prayer you say God as an act of my surrender to you the desire in my heart for a fresh touch God right now in this moment I feel what Job felt man born of a woman is not of many days and his life is full of trouble he said, Pastor Ray, I'm falling short. I don't know. I don't have the answers. This moment is for you. And I want to pray for you. But I don't just want to pray for you where you're sitting. Men today, if that's you, it may not be for every man. It may not be for everyone in this room. But for those who will just say, you know what? I need a fresh touch from God. If that's you, with every head bowed, every eye closed, just make your way to the altar. And I'm going to meet you there. I'm going to meet you right here at the altar and we're going to pray and we're going to agree together for God to visit us as he visited Saul and you will be turned into another man. Men are making their way now.
men are making their way now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Run to the Father this morning. Ha. Run to the Father this morning. Run to the Father this morning. Fall into His grace. Fall into His grace this morning. Thank you, Lord. 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 We're going to pray. And I'm going to pray with you. Done with the hiding. No reason to wait. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. We're going to pray in a moment. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. The Lord gave me this message two weeks ago. The Lord gave me this message two weeks ago. And two weeks ago, I was in prayer, and the Lord showed me this moment. But what the Lord also wants to do is not only heal the men, he also wants to, lead, he wants to heal the people that we lead. I'm going to come down and pray for you. But if you're married, if you're up here and you're married, this is what the Lord showed me, crystal clear. If you're up here and you're married, your spouse is supposed to come down and two things are going to happen. She's going to stand behind you and she's going to wrap her arms around you and she's going to pray for you. So if you're down here and your spouse or your significant other is in the room, make your way down. There's healing that's going to happen in this place, not only for the man, but also for his wife. If your spouse is here, I want you to stand with him. Wrap your arms around him. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what he needs. That's what he needs. That's what he needs. Wrap your arms around him. Make your way. The Lord's going to heal. The Lord is healing right now. The Lord's healing right now. Jessica, you can come on stage and stand with, with Nabil if you need to. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. If all the spouses have made their way, this is what I want the spouses to do. I want you to start to pray for your husband. I want you to speak life over your husband. I want you to tell him that he's the man of God that God has called him to be. He is a prophet. He is a priest. He is a king. He is a servant leader. He's a provider and protector. You open your mouth and begin to pray for him. Speak life over your husband. Speak life over your husband. Speak life over your spouse. There it is. There it is. The Lord will give you utterance. He will give you the words to say as you minister to and encourage your husband. Nabil, why don't you lead us? Run to the Father, and I'm coming down to pray. Pastor Wendy, can you give me the oil? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Uh, Don, you can kill my mic.
Almost there. Thank you.
Yeah, 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 yeah. Praise the Lord. All righty. Uh, at this point, if you had lunch reservations, you know what time it is. You probably need to call it, uh, maybe go another time. But thank you. Thank you for, for staying. Uh, thank you for lingering in the presence of the Lord. The Lord is doing something unique in our midst. Amen. And the Lord is transforming us individually and our church. Again, to all the, all the men, all the fathers. Uh, uh, the, the, the struggle, I'm telling you, the struggle. If only Saul had leveraged what God had already given him, uh, the story would have been a little bit different. My encouragement and my challenge to us as men today is let's tap into the help, the supernatural help that God has already given us so that we don't have to try to do it in our own strength and our own ability. Why don't you stand with us? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. There's healing in this house, and I, and I really believe that many, many are going to leave transformed and better than they came. Amen? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Praise the Lord. Uh, I also want to remind you that, man, we've got... Uh, um, you guys look so handsome in your suits and your sneakers, and, uh, but we do have a backdrop where you can take some pictures uh, before you leave with your family. Uh, we also have some signs that, you know, that make us feel real good, man. My dad is rad, awesome dad, world's best dad. So make sure with your family you take, take some pictures and, uh, and let's celebrate this amazing, amazing day. Thank you all for, for, for hanging with us and lingering uh, here today. I really believe the Lord wanted to minister uh, to the men and to the fathers, and I believe he did. Uh, for some of you, uh, you'll, you'll be hearing from me because there's, there's a sequel uh, to what we talked about uh, during the prayer time. And as the Lord gives me more understanding, well, I'll follow up with you and pray with you about those things. Amen. Uh, thank you guys again for being with us. Koketso, why don't you come? Amen. Why don't we do this together? Can we do it together? Let's bless the people out together. Amen. Raise your hands toward heaven. Aaron, uh, Moses asked God, how shall I bless the people? Come on, somebody. In Numbers chapter 6. And God says, this is how you will bless the people. This is how you will bless the people. And God himself spoke these words concerning how the people should be blessed. And we're going to do that now. And as we do, man, it's not just words. This is the heart of God toward us. This is the heart of God toward us. Father, we thank you now. Before we leave this place, we thank you first of all for all that you've done in our hearts and in our lives. I thank you, Lord, that we are different men because of this moment. And God, because of your spirit upon us, we will do everything that the occasion demands. Ah, everything the occasion demands of us as men. We trust you now, Father, for it. In Jesus' name. And may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. In Jesus' name. God bless you. We'll see you next week.
impacted by today's worship experience, we'd love to hear from you. Maybe today's sermon was exactly what you needed to hear, or you prayed the prayer of salvation for the first time. If so, we've got some information that we'd love to send you to help kickstart your relationship with God. Or if you want more information on how to join our virtual family, please email us at echurch at weareconverged.com. If you'd like to partner with us financially, you can do so online safely and securely by visiting www.weareconverged.com forward slash give. Or you can give via text by texting Converge Give along with the dollar amount that you'd like to donate to 77977. Also, you can find all this information on our mobile app. Simply search the app or the Play Store for Converge Church Plano and download the app. It's that easy. Thank you again for joining us for today's worship experience. We look forward to staying connected with you.